Are you looking for your next favorite read? If you crave connection through stories, then this is a podcast for you. Welcome to Lovely Books Podcast. I'm your host, Emmy B, and it's my job to highlight the lovely books that keep you reading and connect you to the world. Hearing personal connection to great stories will bring you something to think about, something to laugh about, and something lovely to read. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Lovely Books Podcast. I am thrilled to have an author interview today. Joining us on this episode, we have Diana Abu Jabber. Thank you so much for being with me today, Diana. Oh, thank you for having me, Emily. Yes, I was so thrilled to receive her most recent book, Fencing with the King. Um, it's a topic, it's an area, it's a location. And kind of a theme that I haven't really had an opportunity to explore before. And so it was a welcome read and I was hooked from the beginning and I absolutely, absolutely loved it. Um, Before we dive into the story and kind of talk about it, I wanted to take a minute and introduce Diana to our listeners. Diana was born in Syracuse, New York to an American mother and a Jordanian father. Her family moved to Jordan a few times throughout her childhood and elements of both her American and Jordanian experiences, as well as cross-cultural issues, especially culinary reflections, appear in her work. Her novel, Birds of Paradise, won the 2012 Arab American National Book Award. It was also named one of the top books of the year by by National Public Radio, The Washington Post. Diana teaches writing and literature at Portland State University and divides her time between South Florida and Portland, Oregon. Both absolutely beautiful places. Absolutely. Yes, and completely different. So before we begin talking about your novel, I really love to ask authors um, if they wouldn't mind sharing a little known fact or maybe a fun fact about themselves. Um, Well, uh, I do have uh, one sort of interesting thing. When I was in college, I I never had any money. I was always, you know, scrounging for extra cash. And um, one of the things I did to try to make a little extra cash was I entered a scholarship contest, as they called it. And it was um, the first first prize was $1,000. No, $2,000. Second prize was $1,000. First runner up was 500. And I thought if I could just get to first runner up, I could really use that 500 bucks. Yeah. And I accidentally won. I am a former Miss Oswego. And, oh, uh, that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. That is so fun. I was thrilled it was $2,000, but then I had to spend it on a pageant gown. And, oh my gosh. Great. Well, what a fun story. Well, I'm excited to talk about um, your book today. It is in a setting that I feel like isn't explored as extensively in fiction, and that is in Jordan, in the Middle East. Can you tell us a little bit about the personal connection that you have to this novel? Sure. Um, My father uh, was born and raised in a little village outside of Amman, Jordan, and he didn't come to this country until his early 20s. So it was a really big part of his identity and and a big part of my upbringing. Uh, Even though I was raised in the United States with an American mother, my father always told us we were really Jordanians and that we were supposed to all go back someday. 
So in a lot of ways, Fencing with the King is me revisiting that idea of returning to one's country of origin. You know, in the story, the daughter goes back with her father. And and in my own life, I did, I went back, my dad stayed here in the United States, and I went back to Jordan to see if maybe I was really Jordanian at heart. So in many ways, the novel reflects that that movement, sort of a reverse immigration story, you might call it. And I love that. I think that there are a lot of people today, as we become such a global world, who really can relate with that idea of being displaced um, from maybe the identity that you feel in your heart. Yes, absolutely. And- I think it's um, it's something that people can connect with, even if they weren't necessarily immigrants or born to immigrants themselves, a lot of us are searching for home Mm -hmm. and we're searching for a place where we feel we belong. I feel like that really became um, underscored during the pandemic, you know, when we were under lockdown. And so home became even more kind of pointed and more of an issue for a lot of us. Um, We can all identify with that sense of searching. And I think it's really true for Americans too, that this country is so mobile and and it's one of the things that is so amazing about being an American. We can pick up and start over in all kinds of places, but it's also it's also part of our our identity, our search for well, where do we belong anyway? Who who are we? We don't have those generations upon generations of family right here with us, the way we might say if we lived in a small village in Greece all our lives. So yeah, yeah I, I, I'm I'm very connected to that question as both the child of an immigrant, but also as just an American kid. Definitely. And I, I find it interesting. I was doing research for something a while ago and I found that Um, The number two pastime in the United States, aside from gardening, is family genealogy and family history, because people, yeah, people do want to know outside of their American upbringing, where do they come from? Like, what, what is my family story? How did I end up here in the United States? Because somebody someplace made um, a sacrifice. Somebody someplace went through something hard to get me here. Right. It's really true. It's there's all these stories behind the stories that we live. And sometimes, probably most of the time, we don't ever get to know those stories of, of our ancestors, of the people who who came here or um, who went before us and, and had these other lives. Um, I guess that's part of what got me writing this novel in some ways. I mean, now that I think about it, it's almost like there's a built-in mystery story when, you know, there's the life before you came to this country and the life after you came. And the life that went before, your kids may never know those things. They may never find them out. But then when they do, they might actually find that real internal connection. Yes. I love it. Yeah, which is one thing I really, really loved about your story. And in this book, there's actually, there's two characters who have a little bit of a connection outside um, of their Palestinian and Jordanian um, heritage. So in this story, which character really reflects who you feel like you are? 
Okay. Now, to be honest, I I really feel like all all the characters have some aspect of me in them, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. But um, the one that I probably connect with the closest is Zamani. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she, you know, she she is my age. She is my. Um, I mean, back in the nineties, I, she's the same age I was back then. And she, um, is on the same kind of a journey that I was when I went to Jordan, I went in, in 95 and, and at that time in my life, I was smashing everything up. You know, Mm -hmm. I was leaving a a prior regime. (laughs) Yeah my ex-husband. Um, I was leaving a job. I, my first tenure track job, I decided that was it. No more. Um, I, maybe I was leaving my country. I wasn't sure. Um, so everything, everything was just in, in chaos and disarray. And, um, and Amani is in that place in her life. She's, Mm -hmm. she's tearing it all up and she, She's doing it in a kind of creative way. She wants to see what can come out of it. And I really, I wanted to get at that feeling of, of fear. You know, you're, it's yeah. terrifying to start yeah. over, but it's exciting too. Well, and um, I like that. I think that's something that as women, we all can really connect to. Um, we come out of our, our college years and out of our 20s with fear of the unknown and fear of establishing ourselves. And then we establish ourselves and we get ourselves set in these lives. And I think we all sort of have that moment where we look at what we've decided and say, is this really what I want? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Right. Absolutely. And it's scary to contemplate taking a step back from it and reimagining yourself and Um, you know, especially if you were like, in my case, I was raised to be good, Uh you know, like a good girl, which is the worst thing you can do to a writer, (laughs) (laughs) raise them to be good. It's terrible Um, because it's, it makes it so much more difficult to tell you truth, you Mm. know? Um, But that's the thing. If you are a young woman and you are searching or any age person really. Um, and you are questioning, you're throwing things into question. Um, it can be terrifying. It can be such a, a scary, scary place to be. And yet it's so important. If, if you have those questions, if you have those struggles, you've got to let yourself have the space to consider them and, and act on them if need be. Definitely. And I think Amani as a character is someone who kind of gives readers permission to do that. She is a symbol of that kind of bravery of someone who, even though they're scared, yes, even though she's afraid and she doesn't know, and she has a regret and she has worry, but, and even at the very, very last moment, when you think she might not have the courage to make a real change, she, she pushes through that. And I, I really, I really love that about her. Um, there are a lot of, there are a lot of themes with cultural and family identity in this book. And I think we've touched on a little bit why those are important, but if I were to ask you from an American perspective, so I'm, I'm a mother of five children. 
And I have some, yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> wow. Respect. It's a labor. It's a real labor. But I have older children in junior high and high school. And so just because um, the, the Middle East and the culture of the Middle East isn't as commonly explored in contemporary fiction, I did ask them, like, do you think you could find Jordan on a map? Oh, what'd they say? No. Oh, Yeah. Where do you think the country of Jordan is? Mm, Yeah. Two of them didn't know. My oldest daughter said, I think it's close to Asia. Okay. Okay. Good, good. (laughs) (laughs) We're a little bit. They're making a stab at it. (laughs) In some place. And then I asked them, I said, if you, if I ask you to tell me something that you knew about Middle Eastern culture, what could you tell me? Oh yeah. What'd they say? Nothing. Nothing. Spicy food. The only thing oh. I got was spicy food. And I went, I don't even, I, I don't know. That's, that's, that's Indian. Yeah. Right? Indian. Yeah. I mean, like you're, you're dabbling around there, but even like Pakistani, like that's the Asian subcontinent. Like we're not even quite that spicy right there. I don't know. If I had to content rate this book, even though it's an adult book, I feel like it could fall into a young adult. And I know it's hard to fall into a young adult, but I do feel like in terms of Mm -hmm. content and thematically, it could fall into a book that's completely appropriate for a young adult reader. 15 to 18 year olds, I would 100% recommend this book. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would actually like to see more young adult fiction in this particular area and genre. Mm -hmm. But mm-hmm. if I if I were to ask you this question from the perspective of an American and wanting to hear more of these voices, why is why is this story important to you? Ah, it's a great question. Um, over the years, I've had parents come to me and say, "What are the books for our kids that they can read to learn more about?" Um, these cultures and and um, these voices and and it's been really hard for me to think about specifically that age group that you're talking about, Emily, the young adult readers. Um, I wish I had had books that spoke to me personally when I was in high school and even in college. I feel like there wasn't a lot that really broke out of that mainstream. You know, I was reading like John Cheever and John yeah. Irving and John Up White guys named John. I was reading. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, there was so little in my experience that mm-hmm. broke out of that. And it wasn't until I was in graduate school that I started reading Toni Morrison and yeah. Amy Tan. Um, Louise Erdrich. Um, these were the writers that told me that maybe my story was worth something. Mm-hmm. That it might be, it might be of interest to someone to read about my cultural experience. Right. So, for me, so much of that is about finding those those bridges, those connections between. Uh, Americans and and the Middle East in particular, yeah. I really do feel like, you know, we're, we're seeing an upsurge definitely of interest in, in new voices and, and voices that have been excluded. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is 
fabulous. I'm so excited to see, you know, Black voices and Indian voices and Asian voices. And I would love to see that happen for the Middle East. Um, it's starting to, yeah. it's starting, but it's it's slow. It's It's lagging. I guess my greatest hope would be to have some some way of giving a voice or giving a face to some of these experiences so that they don't seem quite so um, mysterious or even scary. Yeah, definitely. I see often that we as Americans tend to relate our experience with the Middle East with 9-11 because it's in our recent history and the unknown can create a lot of fear. Yes. yes. And I I appreciated the time period that you chose to tell the story because Jordan did participate in those peace talks in the Middle East. And, and I like, I appreciated that story being told so that people who lived through that and maybe people who didn't, could put themselves sort of in the perspective of someone who lived there who who wants peace and to understand that in a lot of countries the people living there are not products of their leaders exactly exactly they don't they don't always get to pick <laughs> and and we lose that as americans because we think how could you not pick that's not a story we know yeah that's right we're so used to the idea of democracy um that we elect our leaders and um and so we have a a close identification with our leaders even the ones we hate you know we still we picked them somehow um and in the middle east you know especially a place like jordan which is a monarchy it's a it's a conundrum for jordan because it's a, a, a very Western Middle Eastern country, mm-hmm. if, if that makes any sense. Because um, they like us. They think we're cool. There's a real connection there. There's yeah. like a sensibility that connects. Yeah. Um, and and so I was really interested in that question. What does it mean to try to have a democratic uh, identity inside of a kingdom, mm-hmm. you know, where you boy, talk about not picking your ruler, you know, they're born into place. Um, so yeah, I, I am really, really concerned with finding ways of helping Americans, you know, try to find new ways of seeing the Middle East so that yeah. we can start to reshape and rethink that relationship. It shouldn't be defined by certain kinds of media uh, events and, and this sort of thing. It has to be, it has to be done through the human level, one-to-one. Definitely. Um, and yeah, that's, that's my big project. Absolutely. I, I really love that. In the story, Amani has a cousin named Omar. Omar also has this connection but he's lived in Jordan. Yes. And I liked him as a character because he was a little bit of a connector. Yes. Was that yeah. your purpose in writing him the way you did? Well, he he's actually based on one, well, s- several. I have several cousins who are like Omar. He, he is a, a kind of sensibility that you can see if you go uh, to the Middle East, there are young people who are fascinated uh, with American styles, American ways of being, um, and and they speak 
the language, and I mean that metaphorically as well as literally, they speak both languages really fluently. So like Omar shifts between his Arab and his American identities. And I have all these cousins who do the same thing, that they spend their summers here or they spend vacations here or even just, you know, visit once in a while, but they have this love of the United States. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's a real tribute to this country and to the idea that we are more permeable than we realize that the, the divisions between our countries are not nearly as as gaping as we believe them to be. So yeah, I'm uh, Omar came into the story originally um, because I was doing that reflecting on my own experience. I'd had a cousin who had been a really important guide to me. And he was, I think of him as my fixer. You know, he yeah. was the one in that in the country who could figure it out and help me kind of leap over the cultural obstacles. Yeah. And I knew that Amani needed a fixer. Yeah. And, and that was her guy. Definitely. Yeah. For me, not knowing very much about the culture going in, I felt like as he helped Amani understand how things were different and that what she was seeing on the surface, there was a story underneath. It helped me as a reader connect with what was happening behind what we were seeing visually. In the oh, that's story. great. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed him as a character. So in writing this story, what were you hoping in terms of like themes and impressions that your readers would take away? I feel like a lot of my project is about helping people make connections. You know, there's there's that that saying, only connect And that's something I think about continually, you know, um, right now looking at what's happening in Ukraine, um, I feel like it's just this constant process of finding how much alike we are, how much we share with other countries, other nations, other peoples, and how essential empathy is how we've got to make that that motion that we've got to reach out to others and to hear each other's voices and I feel like that's that's the best thing a writer can do is help put a voice inside the reader's head and say listen this is what it means this is what being human is I hear you the reader I hear you and I'm, I'm speaking to you. And it's like our, oh, this sounds so, so terribly mushy, but it's like, I want our hearts to speak to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I like that. And I appreciate that, especially being in Salt Lake City, Utah, where diversity, mm-hmm. it's getting better, but I don't live in a very diverse place. And yeah. um, my husband's parents immigrated from South America. He's Uruguayan. And so we have a lot of strong cultural things in our family that we do that are not mainstream American. And as my kids grow up appreciating that, I want them and they value it. They love those things, those things they carry very close to their hearts. But I want them when they see that in others to have the same respect and positive curiosity. Yes. Yes. You know, in, in wanting to know why and hoping that they can, we do that. Well, we kind of do that. Well, you do that. Well, I can do this. Right. Right. 
I absolutely loved this book. I really enjoyed it. It was a quick read for me. Um, it really drew me in. I loved the characters. I loved the writing. I mean, I just, th- this was a fabulous book for me. It was, oh. I was all in. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Emily, I, thank you so much. I'm so glad. You know, what you say about your kids really speaks to me. Um, I, I recently learned the term um, T, what, TCK, third culture kid. It's that, that thing of your parents were from one or more cultures and you were born into a different one than mm-hmm. they lived in. And because of that, you are a third culture. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a real thing thing that you do evolve your own third culture and maybe we're all third culture kids really because I mean we all have to yeah yeah um uh, but that's that like you say that's the key to connecting with others that we can recognize that we're all engaged in this really interesting creative exploration and we get to celebrate it you know we shouldn't be afraid of it we should enjoy and treasure it definitely definitely thank you for that if our listeners want to connect with you online what's the best way for them to connect with you i'm on all the social media um i'm on twitter and and insta i think it's d abu jobber i've got a a website it's uh, dianaabujaber.com so that's that's easy to remember um, the book is uh, out on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and indie bookstores so I hope people will go find it and, and let me know I love love hearing from readers thank you so much and thank you for being so generous with your time today oh my pleasure thanks for having me on Emily love connecting with authors so grateful to have Diana Abu Jaber here on Lovely Books Podcast today, and I hope also that you'll pick up her book, Fencing with the King. Um, If you like what you heard today, please remember to comment, like, subscribe, leave a review, leave a rating, and I hope you'll join us again in a couple of weeks when we highlight another lovely book.